everybody. This is Kiana from That Broad's Got Moxie. I'm the one who's ethnic. <laughs> um, this is, we're continuing on with our special episodes where I'm recording one by myself and Cassie's recording one by herself because we are following the stay home and stay healthy order that is in place in Portland and we're still trying to figure out how to combine forces from a distance, you know. I am joined today by a special guest who will not be speaking. He's here for moral support only. My boyfriend, Zeth. Please, silence from the audience. Thank you. Because, um, excuse me, sir. <laughs> because last week I sounded like I had been crying the whole time I recorded. And that's on me because I wasn't crying. I was just nervous. But now, I'm not nervous, and I've got support. So here we go. Okay, anyways. So this week's inspiration for my episode comes from a listener, Amy, who had sent us a sneaky little tweet on Twitter a few months ago regarding a woman named Madame Katharina Popova, who is a Russian serial killer. Now, we all love a good serial killer story, and when I was originally sent this idea, I immediately looked into covering her, However, I ran into a little difficulty because there isn't that much about her. Research-wise, I mean. And I knew I couldn't fill a whole episode talking about her. But this journey into Madame Popova led me to another person. So what I'm going to do right now, this is a special episode where I'm covering two people. Instead of two people covering one person each, two person Two people be, are being covered by one person, you know. So I'm going to tell you the information that I was able to gather on Madame Popova as a little appetizer and then transition right into Julia afterwards as the main course of this episode. So those are the two women I'm covering, to, I'm going to talk about today. Juliana Tofana and Madame Popova, or Aspiring Widows, is what they fall under. <laughs> So, my sources today is uh, an article called An Encyclopedia of Modern Serial Killers Hunting Humans by Michael Newton, and another article called Meet the Woman Who Poisoned Makeup to Help Over 600 Women Murder Their Husbands by Genevieve Carlton, and another one called Juliana Tofana Poisoned 600 Men, spoiler alert, Beautiful Sicilian Woman and Her Deadly Mission by Ellen Lloyd. Now. Without further ado, Madame Popova was born in Russia in the late 19th century, and it was said that in her lifetime, she became distressed by how the women in her town were treated by their husbands. So in 1879, she hatched a plan. Or should I say, she became an entrepreneur with a killer ha! business plan. <laughs> We're just talking about serial killers. You get it. Uh, her business was to sell her services to murder bad husbands. So between 1879 and 1909, it was believed that Madame Popova murdered over 300 men by using poison, her own two hands, a weapon, or hiring a contract killer, which is just a temp if we're talking about, like, business plan. <laughs> Anyways, her killing came to an end, however, when one of her clients, racked with guilt, reported her crime and Madame Popova's scheme. So to her credit, when the police took Madame Popova in for questioning, she did not deny her involvement 
in the hundreds of murders, and instead boasted that she, quote, did excellent work in freeing unhappy wives from their tyrants. She then went on to say that she never killed a woman, so what's the big deal? <laughs> well, she did kill 300 people, so an angry mob attempted to burn her at the stake, but she was saved by soldiers who were like, no, 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 you can't burn her at the stake. Let's execute her by firing squad instead. So she died in 1909. <laughs> it was a very interesting story, and I'm upset that there isn't more about her life, because I'd love to know how she got into it. But that was Madame Popova. That was our appetizer. Delicious. Yum. Put that empty plate aside. And those little plates that nobody ever uses because everybody just eats off the big plate anyways at a restaurant. Now it's dinner time. So we're in the business of aspiring widows, as I said earlier. Keep that in mind because they're very similar stories. A lot of guys died, but you know, that's too bad for them. <laughs> they probably weren't great husbands. <laughs> Anyways, I'm not gonna... There's nobody here to, like, back me up. So now I just feel like a bad person that's like, yeah, murder's fine. But it's not. Just so we're clear. Anywho, without further ado, let's get into this. <laughs> we're taking our minds now out of Russia, where Madame Popova was, and we're going to the lovely Italy. Ooh. Giulia Tofana was born in 1620 in Palermo, Italy. It is believed that her father was Francis Tofana and her mother was Tofania de Adamo. Now, I say those names like we're supposed to know them. We don't, just so everybody knows. <laughs> but parents are important. So in 1633, when Giuliana would have been around 13, her mother was executed after... She was accused of poisoning her husband, which is like, you'll see that this is foreshadowing for Julia's life, because <laughs> poison. Anyways, not much is said about Julia's life after her parents' death, but it was said that she was known to spend quite a bit of time hanging out in apothecaries and playing around with those potions. You know, a little dash of that, a little dash of that. Uh, she was also briefly married, gave birth to a daughter, Suddenly widowed, which, you know, not suspicious, <laughs> but if you know her, you know her family history, suspicious. So like Madame Popova, Julia in her time had great sympathy for mistreated wives. And many women would go to her telling her horrible stories about their lives, about poverty, abuse at home, and all kinds of cruel treatments that they were experiencing from their husband husbands and Julia felt sorry for the women and wanted to help them however in those days because marriages were like pre-arranged and also like divorce wasn't a thing she really couldn't do much so Julia was sitting there sad playing around with her potions when she started to develop makeup products specifically for these women and maybe she tested it out on her husband I don't know <laughs> it's a possibility but the cosmetics that she was creating would become known as Aqua Tofina, which was an unsuspecting product because it was like, oh, it's makeup for ladies. We don't need this. Wrong. Poison. She put poison in the makeup on purpose so that the makeup would be poison. The women knew there was poison in the makeup and they weren't using it. <laughs> so Aqua Tofina could kill a man with as few as four drops spread out over a matter of days or weeks to avoid suspicion. 
The recipe was a mixture of arsenic, lead, and belladonna and was completely tasteless, odorless, and colorless. And historians, it's actually kind of believed that historians think the recipe might have been a family recipe from her mother. But then also it might just be like something she developed on her own. Or a little bit of both. I like to think it's a family. (laughs) Family recipe. Kind of like a bolognese, except also poisons in there. (laughs) Now, some of you may be asking, why was it not suspicious that Julia had all this poison handy while creating makeup? Because you think it would raise a few questions. Well, for those who don't know, makeup actually used to contain hella poison. (laughs) Because slowly killing yourself while trying to fit into societal standards was all the rage. So Renaissance cosmetics contained poisonous ingredients like arsenic, belladonna, and cochinal because they were believed to have, you know, beautifying properties. So for example, belladonna, this was stupid to me, belladonna was popular because it dilated pupils. And for whatever reason, that was extra fucking hot back then. (laughs) You couldn't get a man if your pupils weren't thick, two C's. So you either had to stand in the dark at all times or poison yourself. Simple as that. That's how you get a man. You single out there wondering what you need to do? Stand in the dark. Also, don't look for a man at this time. Social distancing. (laughs) So, Julia was not into poisoning herself or other customers. So she made it clear that there was poison in her things. But you could definitely poison your husbands. So first she disguised the makeup as... It was powdered makeup. But then she transitioned into selling a special healing oil with the image of St. Nicholas of Bari on it to make it, like, easier. (laughs) Because you could then just actually do droplets into, like, food or whatever instead of, like, scraping powders and trying to sneak that into things. Poisoning for Julia also became a family business because her daughter got in on it and they were known as, like, professional poisoners. Which is apparently was like a common thing in the Renaissance, I found out. Her and her daughter sold the products all throughout southern Italy and went undetected for about 50 years. It's a long time. I was expecting a woe from the audience, but, you know, I can't trust men. (laughs) Whoa! Shut up. Too late. Too late. (laughs) So, went on for 50 years. However, in the 1650s, somebody squealed. So it is believed that one of her clients was feeling regretful. Oh, poor Mimi. After putting some poison in her husband's soup. Very specifically a bowl of soup. <laughs> While he was a, he was going in for it, he was like, yum, minestrone. She was like, no, oh, stop, hold on. I'm trying to kill you. <laughs> and he was like, yo, that's fucked up. And he forced her to confess how she was going to kill him. So I feel like priorities, you would be like, why are you trying to kill me instead of how? But whatever. He wanted the minestrone. He was like, <laughs> okay, but is it the minestrone? <laughs> There's something else. Can I have the minestrone? Couldn't have the minestrone. Fuck. <laughs> so he had her confess her crimes and then they went to the papal authority. And when she did, she revealed Julia's whole operation. Fuck his snitch. <laughs> so now this... Seems like it would be the end for Julia, but she was very popular. So popular, in fact, that the public protected her from authorities. And she was able to ask for a sanctuary in a church that was nearby. And they were like, yeah, come on in. We forgive you. You know, (laughs) Catholics. Just confess to it and you're fine. But unfortunately, 
someone decided to spread rumors that she had poisoned the water in Rome, which is stupid, because if she poisoned the water in Rome, all of you would be dead. She's a professional. Nobody would be alive. And there was really no basis to this, like, lie, but the police took it as true and forced their way into the church, took her out for questioning. At this point, she was then interrogated and tortured before she confessed to killing at least 600 men with her poisons in Rome alone. But she had been active prior to that. And this was only between the years of 1633 and 1651. So her death total is probably through the roof, right? Maybe? I don't know. I guess I would know because I did the research on it, but... <laughs> Anyways... In July 1659, Julia was executed along with her daughter and three of her aides because she had other people helping her do it, which is interesting to think about. And they were all killed in Rome's Campo de Fourier, which is a popular location for execution. Also, probably pronounced that wrong. F-I-O-R-I. -I. You know, I'm not Italian. So some of Julia's clients were also punished because they did, you know, murder. And after, it was funny because after her confession, a number of people were like, I didn't know that this was poison. I thought it was makeup. I just want to be beautiful. And like a lot of people got away with it because how do you prove that they knew that they were buying poison when it's packaged as makeup? But some people did confess and people were executed or thrown in prison. But that's neither here, or there. <laughs> here nor there. The legend of her life was one that carried on long after she died because this was massive news. So in 1791, more than 100 years after her death, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart claimed on his deathbed that he was poisoned by her products, stating, quote, I feel definitely that I will not last much longer. I am sure that I have been poisoned. Someone has given me aqua tofana and calculated the precise time of my death. Although his claim is regarded as completely made up because there is no rhyme or reason to why he said that. Which, how dramatic, but also kind of inspiring, right? <laughs> so on my deathbed, hopefully after I've lived a long and amazing life, I'm going to completely make up another reason why I'm dying. Just to like add some spice to it. Because like, we're still talking about Mozart now, and it's only because he lied. <laughs> Nothing else he did. So you can expect my last words to be, I'm not going to last much longer. This was a mob hit. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> so while Mozart made up the fact that he was poisoned, it does put into perspective how legendary and infamous Julia's legacy has been since her death. And I think we should talk about her more. <laughs> So that's it for me. That's my ditty. Hey. Once again, thank you, Amy, for sliding in to our DMs and suggesting Madame Popova for us to cover. And if you want to be like her, go ahead and follow us on our social media accounts. We are at That Broad's Got Moxie on Instagram and Facebook and at Broad's Got Moxie on Twitter. You can also reach out to us via email at thatbroadsgotmoxie at gmail.com. And you can also, well... You can do this. I want you to do this. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. Bye!
Music by Sage Krenning. Cover art by Vinny Navarrete. Produced and edited by Danielle Barsanti. Side effects of listening to this podcast may include excessive moxie, zero tolerance for the patriarchy, sass mouth, excessive sweating, tipsy tittering, desire to stick into the metaphorical man, fear of cats, empowering women, clammy hands and feet, the inability to do math, lack of patience for the bullshit, thirst for knowledge, questioning the system, cravings for bougie chicken, vodka, and justice, and in some cases can cause death on hills.